Hi, everybody. This is Todd Jones. Thanks for listening to One Degree Greater. We spoke with Jay Klaus before anyone had heard of COVID-19, before our world changed. We hope this episode offers some respite, and we wish you the best. I need your best joke. My best joke? Oh, you're killing me. All right, hold on. I gotta, I've got a jokes thread in my phone. Let me pull one out. Man, on the spot. Yeah, God. right, right. I want to hear it. Okay. All right. This is a Jerry Seinfeld observational joke. Okay, go for it. Two of my favorite foods, tacos and euros. And what I like about tacos and euros, they make you eat them on their own terms. You'll never eat a taco, you'll never eat a euro without having to contort your face and like line up. Uh, <laughs> this is bad. This is not one of my best You know, jokes. Jay, I, I want to say that as a comedian, you're a really good entrepreneur. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Welcome to One Degree Greater, a podcast about Buckeyes navigating their first few years after graduation, a challenging, thrilling time when ambition meets reality. Some people want to change the world, but everyone needs to find their place in it. I'm your host, Todd Jones. Thanks for joining us. I put Jay Klaus on the spot for his best joke because comedy was always his first love. It just never quite blossomed into anything more than a hobby. At Ohio State, where he majored in marketing, he auditioned for the student improv team, but he never earned a spot. He wrote for the Sentinel, a satirical magazine, sort of like The Onion. When he ascended to the leadership position at the Sentinel, it stopped publishing, and it hasn't published since. Jay says this was the biggest failure of his life, a failure that, like most failures, taught him something, that every business needs a succession plan. He thinks about that a lot now, He's 29 and head of Unreal Collective, a digital education company that he founded in 2017. Comedy remains close to Jay's heart, but he hasn't tried stand-up since performing at local amateur shows when he was still in college. Jay's too busy now for stand-up. He's building a supportive net for freelancers and entrepreneurs, people who are used to working without one. These type of communities are a furnace for Jay. He thrives on the energy created by small groups of people who are passionate about what they do. I really like to work with and support people who are building something out of compulsion, like people who are building their own way, making their own path, doing their own thing. I want to be around those people and I want to help them in whatever way I can. Anybody who's building something of their own volition cares so much about that thing that there's just no better energy to be around. It makes you better. It makes you happier. It's just the best way to spend your time, I think. In a lot of ways, Jay's trying to recreate a house where he lived just after graduation. It was near Hudson Avenue, north of the Columbus campus. You know the type of house. An old brick urban place that remains new in spirit because of all the waves of young tenants fresh out of school. It's not home to a traditional family, but the place radiates a special vibe. Five years later, Jay still thinks about that house and the people there. There are seven of us. Seven adult men, um, most of them musicians. One of them was a former army medic. Uh, There was a management consultant and me who was running the startup. So it was a crazy mix of 
you know, passionate entrepreneurial people. And I only knew two of them barely when I moved into that house. My name is Lucas Gladman and this is a wine dot session. We had this amazing living room, which was not by accident. I mean, the guy who scouted this place out was uh, a musician. And so he looked at this living room and he said, this is a performance space. And we moved in, the house was completely renovated right before we moved in, beautiful place, dirt cheap. And we hosted house shows at that house for two years. We probably had a half dozen or maybe even closer to 10 house shows. It's a physical space, but there's something else going on there, right? Mm -hmm. um, what was it about that house that kind of made a mark on you? There was just never any complacency. You know, everybody was doing something because they compulsively had to do it. They were all working on something that was a passion project. Um, we were always meeting new people and bringing people together. It just wasn't the type of house where we were laying around and, and just watching Family Feud, you know? It was, there was always something going on. There was always a new idea being thrown around and we would collaborate on things for a while because of these musicians coming in. We did this series called the Wyandotte Sessions because we lived on Wyandotte. Avenue, where we brought in local musicians, and one of our roommates knew how to work a camera, so he recorded um, the set, a live set on camera, and one of the guys knew how to mix audio, so he mixed the audio to sound really good, and now if you search Wyandotte Sessions on YouTube, you're going to find some of those live recordings. You lived there for how long? Lived there for two years. Why'd you leave? It is difficult to keep seven bedrooms full in a place with <laughs> six other people that you want to live with for a year. Um, and, you know, that type of arrangement is only sustainable for so long post-graduation um, before the, the nagging voice in the back of your head telling you to, to grow up or be an adult kicks in. You say, you know what, maybe, maybe it's time to move on. Klaus wound his way through a couple jobs fresh out of Ohio State. At each stop, he soaked up wisdom and new skills that he has since poured into Unreal Collective. The goal is, how can I create a space that people look forward to coming to every week and walk away from that hour we spend together with new energy and new inspiration for taking the next step in their project or business? So how do you do that? Well, honestly, it comes a lot from attracting the right people. The value that I really bring to the table here is that I am aggregating really inspiring, passionate people who are working on all kinds of interesting things that you'd want to be around and you want to support. Um, and so really, if you have those ingredients and you create a space and you create an expectation that you're showing up here on this time and this is what we're talking about, the rest kind of works itself out. Kind of works itself out. Jake can sound like he's someone who leaves things to chance like he leaves home without his phone charger. Far from it. A lot of people will say entrepreneurs are risk takers, but most entrepreneurs would say we are risk mitigators. You know, we're looking for how can we make this less risky and having no overhead is a great way to make taking a leap less risky. Being safe while heading down new paths is an approach that fits Jay because he was born and raised in the Midwest. He's from Coldwater, Ohio, a small rural town of about 4,000 near Salina. His parents, now retired, were both public high school teachers. They raised their three kids to value education and to be open-minded. 
Jay arrived at Ohio State without a declared major. He tried journalism for a couple years in the exploration program. That's where advisors will help students figure out whether they fit into the university's more than 200 majors before they have to make an official commitment. He even covered the football team for the Lantern. Jay wound up at the Fisher College of Business, where his curiosity and entrepreneurship bloomed as a member and eventual president of the Business Builders Club. Networking through the club led Klaus to his first job right after graduation as co-founder of a software startup, Tixers, sort of like a stub hub with a twist. After he negotiated part ownership of the business, Jay could work from Columbus while living in that house on Wyandotte Avenue. After a couple years, Jay and his business partner, Alex, decided to cash out of Tixers. In 2015, they sold the company. Did you make a good chunk of change? <laughs> it was not life-changing money. What did that do for you? Did it open up some possibilities? I mean, did you give you a little bit of a safety net? Um, what did that do for you, the fact that, okay, I did make some money here? It, it did. And, you know, ever since we, we had that hit our account, I've put it into the market and I've never looked at it. I never consider it as if it's something that I can even access. It's just going to sit there and accrue. Um, but what it taught me more than anything, honestly, before the acquisition, Alex and I were living as cheaply as possible. The first exercise we did when he hired me on was to do a budget and figure out, okay, what are your expenses? And we're gonna pay you just barely over that until we get to a point where this thing is profitable. And so it taught me just to live super cheaply, which is something that I still leverage to this day. Um, so it taught me a whole lot. And it is nice to, in the very back of my mind, as much as I try to push it back and say, don't even think about this, um, I know that I have a little bit of a safety net there. After the Tixer sale, Klaus took a job as product manager with CrossChecks, a healthcare startup in Columbus. There, he learned about sales and strategic growth, but he was restless after only a year. He missed the autonomy of Tixers, and he wanted more control of his time. So in April of 2017, Jay launched Unreal Collective. How many full-time employees do you have? If you count me, one. Otherwise, none. One? <laughs> when I drive into Oroville, Ohio, I see a Smucker's factory. I see a place where mm -hmm. somebody goes to work. Mm -hmm. I can't see Unreal Collective. No, you can't. What is it? It is what I would, you know, say is a new wave of online businesses that are virtual. You know, our meetings take place on Zoom, a software, a video conferencing software. Our members are all over the country. Actually, we have a couple of members in Canada. So there is no need for a physical space. And part of my value proposition to people is, listen, this is an hour that you can easily tuck into your week. There's no commute. You don't have to worry if you're traveling. If you're traveling that week, you can still call in. And for an entrepreneur who's getting started like I was, it provides a really interesting and, you know, positive model because there's, there's no overhead costs. And so I wanted to have something where I had flexibility and control and was providing value, but I, I wasn't taking a lot of risk. Jay has taken on a lot more responsibility. Unreal Collective has grown to more than 100 members. Jay hosts a podcast called Creative Elements where he interviews people about how they make a living from their art and creative work. He launched a show in March, and it has already had more than 100,000 downloads. Jay also co-hosts another podcast called Upside, which has startup founders who work outside the Silicon Valley talking about how they raise money to get their ideas off the ground. Fortune has named Upside one of the nation's best business podcasts. 
Jay's work includes an online education platform that he launched called Freelance School. It teaches people how to build a business. And if all that isn't enough, he also volunteers for many training workshops and speaking engagements for companies. Whether you're creating yourself or helping other people create, there's a huge learning process that falls into that. And I'm a lifelong learner. I love, I gravitate to other lifelong learners and I like to help out where I can. So uh, paying it forward is something that whether I, you know, call it that or not, and often I do, it's something that I practice. So where do you want to be? Where do I want to be? <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> I love making things. And my ideal day is an open calendar where I can go wherever I want and I can write. And downstream, that sustains me in some way. You know, whether I'm creating products that people buy, whether my writing is sustaining me, you know, I, I see a world where I'm writing a, a New York Times bestselling book. And that will probably drive other aspects of my business. That's where I'm trying to get to. Um, things may twist and turn and maybe divert on the way there, but that's, that's the life that I'm trying to build up to. Hey guys, this is Kristen Schmidt. I'm the producer on One Degree Greater. We create this podcast for listeners like you to keep you connected to your alma mater. Did you know your alumni association is offering a ton of virtual resources right now? There are online discussions, events, webinars, you name it. From career management resources to book clubs to discussions with other Buckeyes, you're sure to find something that's right for you. So head to go.osu.edu slash virtual to check it out and find some favorites. That's go.osu.edu slash virtual. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's get back to the episode. Life at 29 is a lot more complicated than it was at 23, when you were living in a house with six other guys and hosting bands for late night shows in the living room. Jay spent 2019 living in a studio apartment above a bar in the short north neighborhood of Columbus. Less than 400 square feet. Wow. Do you have, do you own anything? I do. Actually, a lot of the stuff in the apartment was left over from the previous tenant, who was a good friend of mine, partially because he was moving across the country and couldn't take it, partially because it's going to be really hard to move out of that place. Just narrow staircase, steep staircase, sharp turns around doors. I don't know how he got the couch in there, but I don't expect I'll ever get the couch out. Jay found some more space by leaving that tiny apartment and moving into a house that he rents in Grandview. And for the first time in his life, he started thinking about actually buying a house. I think about buying a house much more as an investment than as, you know, any type of like rite of passage or something that needs to be done in order to start a family. I think more and more about what does family look like because there are more constraints on actually starting a family from an age perspective and, you know, uh, especially uh, for women it becomes more and more risky to have children the older you get. And as a man who will marry a woman, I need to be concerned with that. But I don't think about buying a house as much as I think about how can I continue to invest in and prioritize relationships. And there's been another big change in Jay's life this year. He lives with his girlfriend. This is the most significant relationship I've had since graduating Ohio State. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of that was, you know, my priorities after school were the business because I rolled right into that. And up until that point, I was working a lot and I was, you know, indulging this creative side of me quite a bit, which is difficult. It can lead to a difficult lifestyle for somebody else to partake in and be a part of because as much as I try to avoid it, um, sometimes I just get totally lost in, in the work. And that is not the type of, you know, relationship that all people want to be in. It's, it's something where if you get too lost in the work, it can be seen as a selfish act. And if you're going to share a life with somebody, you have to share a life with somebody. You have to share their life, your life. And that is, you know, time that you have to prioritize. Some of this time has to be a real challenge for you in ways that it never used to be. Yeah, prioritizing all the elements of my life is increasingly difficult. And so the question that I pose to myself more and more is, what can I cut? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I want to do more, I need to do fewer. And if you're going to be in a relationship, that can't be one of the things that you cut. And you need to cut other things to enable that to, to, to thrive and flourish. And I think our generation is more likely to push off the ideas of marriage, the ideas of buying a home. We want things that are experiences. We don't want to be tied down to an investment property and a mortgage. Uh, We have a lot of debt, whether it's a mortgage or whether it's student loan debt. And so we've just pushed back a lot of the major life milestones that our parents were accustomed to in their early and mid-20s to our late 20s, early 30s, mid-30s. And a lot of that is career-driven. Do you hear friends struggling with that idea that, oh, my mom, you know, she's waiting for me to get married and start having kids. She wants to be grandma, grandpa. You know, are you hearing, are you feeling that? Is that something that you have to try to deal with? I see it and I observe it. I'm lucky that my parents have, like I said, been incredibly supportive my entire life. I have two older sisters, one of which uh, has four daughters. So the pressure to have a grandchild is not on me right now, which is great. But I certainly do see it in my friends, um, especially those that I grew up with. It just seems to be kind of the path. Tell me how your path is different in some paths. What are the paths in your mind? Well, there are infinite number of paths you could take, right? I really like the perspective of if you can see the path, it's not yours, and so I just like to follow my own intuition and in, in things that I'm trying and saying, am I enjoying this? Is this going well? If so, I'm going to keep going down this path. Even though I don't see where the path is leading or at the end of the path is, you know, you can drive an entire trip in the dark, only be able to see as far as your headlights. I take that model much more than anything else. Jay Klaus, the guy who wanted to be a comedian, is on a serious quest. Are you kind of always searching for that energy? That, that ener- Maybe that energy you had in that house when you first graduated. If you are lacking motivation or creative energy, putting yourself in an environment where other people have it will either pull you right out of that funk or get you in a place where you're thinking about, what do I care about? What am I passionate about? What do I want to build? Just being around that energy is so contagious, and it's, frankly, where I want to spend all of my time. Whoa!
This has been a production of The Ohio State University. Kristen Schmidt is our producer. Matt Stessner is our sound editor. Creative and strategic support comes from Justin Bell, Jay Hansen, Monica DeMeglio, and Randy Walk. Thanks to Doug Dangler and his staff at the College of Arts and Sciences for their assistance with recording this episode. And a big thanks to Jay Klaus, who was very generous with his time. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram, at Jay Klaus. You can also sign up for his daily blog at jklaus.com. Tell me a little bit about why you were drawn to this idea of energy and creativity and passion. If I were to go all the way back to high school, let's say, I did have a really close group of friends who were weird. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was a festival in my hometown. And before that festival, we didn't have anything to do. We were just kind of walking the streets and we saw a toilet that someone had placed out to be picked up for the garbage. And so we said, let's do something with that. (laughs) And that turned into spray painting this toilet gold and bungee cording it to a spare door and walking our smallest friend on top of the toilet, on top of the door, into this festival as if he was like a king on a throne. (laughs) (laughs) Visit us at go.osu.edu slash one degree greater to explore our other episodes. If you enjoyed this show, please spread the word and give us a rating and review. We'd really appreciate that. And thanks for listening.